Hello and welcome back to another Mean Green Podcast. We're back from it's our back. Winter. It's back from our uh, little hibernation. I'm your host as always, Reed Smith, and I'm joined by my co-host as always, back in California, Milo Mahaltzis. How are you today, my friend? I'm good. I am great, and I sound crisp, probably, because I got myself a <laughs> brand new microphone. Uh, for oh, wow. Good old Christmas Santa, Santa Claus brought me a microphone. <laughs> so <laughs> I am very fortunate. I've actually never owned one before, so I am doing absolutely ecstatic and glad to be able to put it to good use today on another Mean Green podcast. Well, Milo, you sound just absolutely lovely, my friend. Uh, the irony is that I left my microphone and didn't. I'm in Keller still uh, for holiday festivals with my family. Um, I left my microphone in Denton. So the rough part of this is that you sound really, really good now. And now I sound super bad. So We've we did a little switcheroo yeah. for the new year. Happy New Year. Welcome to 2024, listeners. Man, the year I graduate college, a special year indeed, I hope. Uh, just how That's are your holidays, man? Yeah, yeah my, uh, my holiday holidays uh, were very good. Very good, very eventful. Um, as I think I indicated on our last episode in 2023, I flew all the way back to San Antonio and visited family. That was very fun. Very good to see my family. Um, unfortunately, I don't really get as many opportunities to visit them as I would like, but I was able to go back and visit and spend about six days there. It was very nice, uh, and that was good. It, New Year's was good. also good. Yeah. Yep. New Year's was also good. Uh, I just spent it indoors, didn't really do anything. Me and my girlfriend just watched the ball drop and uh, <laughs> cook, cooked a nice dip. Uh, and that's a Ritz jalapeno popper dip. That's always good to make. And uh, just enjoyed some beverages, non-alcoholic and alcoholic. So uh, good stuff. There you go. Just stayed indoors. What about you? Uh, pretty much the same. Um, Christmas was really solid. Uh, very, very good Christmas for me this year. Just spent it with my family. Uh, Casey came back from Boston and we spent it together and then we spent uh new year's eve together as well had a very enjoyable time but here's the thing milo so she had a flight very early in the morning right so mm. on new year's eve we had to wake up at three in the morning and i drove her to to dallas love field airport at three in the morning that was a religious drive back man i was tired so slept for half the day that's pretty interesting because I also had a very early flight the day after Christmas. Had to wake up at the same exact time, 3 a.m. for a uh, 6 a.m. flight. Um, and we flew out of San Antonio. I mean, the airport is only 18 minutes away, but we just like to get there a little early. It took me about an hour to get up and get ready to go. And so by the time we got there, we had about, about an hour and a half, two hours left. Uh, but... Yeah, those early flights are tough, dude. They're definitely tough and, dude, and not not for the I, faint of heart. When I got home, I could smell colors and taste sound. I was out of it. I was tired. Um, I, I'm telling you, I didn't wake up until like 3 p.m. Uh, on the first day of the year, which is kind of funny. 
but yeah, it, it was a good time. How how was it being back there? You know, do you do you remember it fondly, or is it about how we describe it? That is a phenomenal question, and that was actually that was actually the question burning in my head the whole time. But I had my answer rather quick. Um, San Antonio was exactly as we describe it personally as someone living in california i I live in santa clarita um big family town but uh, i mean it's it's nice here the weather's nice here the scenic scenery is nice here and and it's got a lot to offer and in comparison san antonio um i don't know it just did not fit my cup of tea and i personally by the time the six days were up i was glad to be back home um, I love my family and, and every everything about it. I love visiting my family, but San Antonio as a city and being there, um, not a fan. And I really, I don't know. I just, I, I like what North Texas and California have to offer more than uh, San Antonio. So yeah, I was, I was, I was pretty excited to get back home. That's valid. And a special, uh, we have a very special announcement from last night. Ladies and gentlemen, Shirt Texas legend, the second best person to ever come from Shirts, Texas, retired last night. Frank Harris. <laughs> Rest in peace to your career, young man. Frank very Harris. Very hard player. He provided us with uh, a plethora of content here on another Mean Green podcast. Indeed. Um, and yeah, very, very sad to see him go. UTSA legend. Rest in peace. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> he's not dead, just to he's clarify. Not, he's, he's not very dead. Just, yeah, just to <laughs> clarify. <laughs> he, yeah. Just, he just retired <laughs> from football medically. Uh, I don't think he really had a shot at the next level anyway. I think that's kind of telling when you spend seven years in college, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. he was a nice enough guy from when I had spoken to him. And, I mean, you, uh, you, know, you never know. Sorry, one more thing. You never know. He, he could have uh, taken the Mason Fine route, right? You, you think he could have made a career in, over uh, over in Canada? In Saskatchewan? Yeah, uh, do yeah. you really want to call what Mason Fine is doing in Canada? Do you really want to call that a career? I mean, sitting on the bench can be a career. Anything can be a career, really. I mean, you know, if you're getting paid for it, and I mean, Mason Fine is, um, you know, he, he's getting paid a uh, an average worker's salary to uh, probably, you know, uh, ride ride the pine, as they'd say in to live hockey. in Canada. He had yeah. a, he had a few starts last year, but since the season just wasn't, or I think they're done. So this season, he really didn't have a lot of playing time. Uh, you know, we're a very uh, Mason, we, we don't hate Mason Fine. We like Mason Fine. Uh, but no, it's great we for you We believe that he can he could have elevated himself in this era. I think we've stated multiple times how if he he would have entered the transfer portal, if he was in today's game, he probably would have been a lot better and better suited for the NFL. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. All right, man. Just one more question before we move on to the actual content of the show. Gotta ask. What was your favorite present you got this year for Christmas? Ooh, um, yeah, that's a tough one. Uh, I did get some uh, some fragrances, some colognes. As you know, I'm a I'm a big 
cologne guy. I collect them. And so I, I got it, got some of those from my girlfriend, my mom, and my brother. They all got me one each. So I, I had a nice haul there. there. But um, probably this microphone, I actually really enjoyed it. This is my first time using it. And uh, very good stuff. So shout out to my girlfriend who got me this microphone. And yeah, I've been enjoying it. So that's probably my favorite Christmas gift that I got this year. Uh, what about you? Yeah. For sure, man. I, I, you sound crispy as hell. I mean, crisp. You can't. You cannot argue with the crispiness. Yeah. Um, I I don't know, man. I got a lot of good stuff. Uh, I got a like from my girlfriend. She gave me this orange ranger cap. Uh, that has like a yellow tea on it. I really enjoy. It. It's really different. It's not something that like that like. I previously would have thought about buying, but it's something that's like you can wear it with so many things, kind of. So yeah, it's kind of versatile. Really enjoyed. Yeah. yeah, it's like a bunch of different things, and it's super different. It's really cool. I like it. You know how I, I? I think if anybody has seen me dress, I try to dress like unconventionally. I say as I wear flannels and t-shirts most of the time, but um, I try to dress a little differently. That definitely will help me do that. Um, and then I, I got a. Obviously, for the sentiment, uh, a UN or not a UNT jersey. <laughs> if I got a UNT jersey, I'd be crying. No, um, I, got, um, I got a Rangers jersey repping that Marcus Simeon number two. Got that from now, my parents. Did you get the World Series patch to go with it? I did not. I kind of wanted to buy it, but I did not get the World Series patch on it. I don't know. I just kind of like, you know. I got the World Series hat, though. I got the matching cat to go with it. Yeah, yeah, with a patch on the side. Um, but I don't know, man. I mean, it, it was a good Christmas. Of course, Christmas is not about what we get. It's about the time we get to spend with our loved ones. I was Absolutely. Cornball of the week. Yeah. But it's true. <laughs> it's true. Cornball or not, it's more facts than a 90s office. But let's get into... And I haven't said this in like, has it been a month or like two to three weeks? I think so. It's It's been a while, hasn't it? The hardwood. The hardwood. the hardwood. It's been a tough go on the hardwood for, uh, I was about to say Grant McCaslin's UNT, for Ross Hodges' UNT men's basketball. Um, seven and five record this season since we last spoke to you. They smoked. UT Arlington, 78-52. I was in attendance for that one. And they smoked LSU Shreveport to end their non-conference play. Then they head into conference play tomorrow. Uh, it is Wednesday of, at the time of this recording. Against Wichita State. A uh, very solid basketball team, as always. Um, it's it's not been the greatest season for UNT. It just hasn't. Uh, I think it's a fun team. To watch, I think they're an enjoyable watch, much more enjoyable than they have been to watch, at least by the eye test uh, from previous years. But I mean, the expectation that was set is a lot bigger than seven and five. There is a silver lining, though, Milo. Six and zero at home. I have not lost That's a home good. contest yet. Yeah, I mean, they're they're not like awful it's, i think a lot of people are overreacting going oh my god you they're so awful they've been in every game they've played they've just had trouble closing them out i think finishing 
the uh, non-conference schedule with two gimmies helps a lot. Um, obviously, you're going to beat the living crap out of LSU Shreveport. I mean, I don't think LSU Shreveport exists for anything but to be beat by bigger schools. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. I don't know if you're seeing if you're seeing L sus on your uh, on your schedule. I'm I'm feeling like you're not looking uh you're not worrying about that one too much. Of course, never underestimate an opponent in basketball. But come on, man, LSU Shreveport. Yeah, I don't know. I they're a gimme. Obviously, they're that school yeah. that UNT pays, and UNT doesn't get the opportunity to pay opponents very much to you know come in and and deliver the ass beating themselves. But LSU Shreveport, I remember they played them a couple of years ago, or maybe it was, I think it wasn't last year. I think it was a couple of years ago, but um, they paid them to come in to Denton and they just beat the piss out of them. So um, <laughs> new year, same story. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Um, Jason Edwards has been stellar. I have often talked to you about how, I feel like he's going to be the next great transfer guard for UNT. And so far, um, my take is correct. Um, 15.3 points a game, uh, averaging 34% from three. Just a very, very solid player. 41% from the field. High percentage shot taker. Jason Edwards has been a godsend for UNT. Uh, Hodge uh, and obviously previously McCaslin. Really good at developing talent from the JUCO level. They proved that with Hamlet and Tyler Perry and all the folks that they have developed through the last five seasons. But Jason Edwards does appear to be a chip off the old block of that JUCO grind. Um, Dodge City Community College man, which I did not know existed until he signed for the team. So shout out to Dodge City Community College. Um Respect to the JUCO guys, man. I mean, you you just got to sit down and say respect to the JUCO fellas. Yeah, I think as a G5 program, in order to be a powerhouse, you got to look towards the transfer portal and those um, those players that are coming from from JUCO, definitely. And UNT, I mean, that's that's been a key part of their success over the past few years. You look at basketball and what separates men's basketball from football is that men's basketball is able to pull in these highly touted Juco players and use those guys as their cornerstone pieces. Like you said, Hamlet, Tyler Perry, and even before Hamlet, I mean, you could probably go down the list and and probably, probably pick off one or two extras, but uh, UNT, they look towards that Juco Juco portal um, to try and build their core up. So, Really interesting to see that Jason Edwards has turned out to be the X Factor Juco this year. Because uh, sure. I know I know a lot of people coming into this year, they were high on John Bugs. He's been all right, but Jason Edwards, it looks like he's starting to become the uh, the runaway favorite in that regard. Oh, for sure. And definitely one of the Mean Green's top offensive threats this season. Uh, it looked like Aaron Scott coming out the gate would have been their top offensive threat, but he's faded the last few weeks and Edwards has really picked up where that's a little Scott surprising. That's a little surprising because Aaron Scott, I mean, he's been with the team for several years. You would think he'd have a lot of experience and he'd be able to take that next step. I mean, he's shown some flashes here and there, but uh, I mean, 
ultimately it's about consistency and we haven't really seen that from him. Yeah. You know, averaging uh, 11.8 points per game. Uh, he's a big lanky guy. You want to see him get some rebounds. He's, he's a uh, averaging uh, 5.5 a game. Uh, that's second on the team to um, big money. Mulai. Um You know, it's just one of those things where you go, when will Aaron Scott, like you said, when will he break out? You know, because we've seen him as, you know, UNT is fans and UNT analysts. We know what Aaron Scott can do. We have seen the potential. We have seen how he handles pressure. The guy's a great player. If you ask me who has the best potential on this UNT team of moving on to the next level, it's Aaron Scott by a country mile. Just yeah, you said that earlier this year size. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The skill set and size that he has is unparalleled, but he just can't put it all together right now this season. And maybe that's because he's one of the guys that they're all looking to now. You know, I mean, Aaron Scott is the guy this season. Him and Ruben Jones are the leaders. They're the guys Ruben, that other players look to. Yeah, I think Ruben has shown that he's capable of that leadership role. Uh, I know earlier in the season more particular uh, earlier this season, we saw him be that guy where when the ball was in his hands, um, you could trust that something good was going to come out of that. Um, and Aaron Scott, again, we saw it, ha- we saw flashes of it earlier this year, but uh, you know, he's kind of faded off a little bit, like you said. Uh, so we'll see if he can kind of rekindle a little bit of that in conference play. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's the teams that UNT has played in the non-conference schedule, maybe shutting him down a little bit i'm i'm not too yeah. sure but i mean we'll, we'll just have to wait and see in the next couple of weeks see what happens but milo speaking of non-conference oh boy let's get into conference talk holy moly if you just go down the list here of the american athletic conference this is a really good basketball conference this year my friend one oh, yeah. two three four Five teams have win streaks of four or more games heading in to the uh, uh, conference play. Uh, Conference play did start last night. Um, Florida Atlantic, SMU, both winners. East Carolina, Charlotte, and Big Shocker, UTSA, all lost their first conference games. But, man, if you look at that big three of FAU, Memphis, and, you know, honestly, SMU has looked really solid this season. 10-4 and four record heading into uh, conference play. They're really good. Tulane, Tulsa, really good. A lot of very solid teams. It is not going to be easy for UNT this season. It's going to be significantly harder than it has been in CUSA the last few years. Yeah, it's going to be harder, but it's a challenge that they've got to own, right? This is a program in general that has performed really good probably overachieved in Conference USA, and they've been deserving of a a bump up to a legitimate college basketball conference uh, for a while now. And so to be putting the American, uh, starting off, especially this year is a good year for the American, right? So Florida Atlantic, Memphis, uh, and even SMU is now turning up the heat. So, uh, I mean, this this is a tough schedule, but I don't think UNT should back down. I think it's a it's a good opportunity for them to show that they kind of belong in this conference, right? Yeah. And, and like you said, I mean, this program has been predicated on surpassing expectations for years. You know, this is a program that has been built upon being the team that nobody sees coming. 
I think they do have the potential to do it again this season, but you look at Memphis, you look at FAU. I mean, these are borderline teams playing like majors. Yeah, it's not going to be easy for UNT. Um, I think if you're if you're a Mean Green fan, you're biting your nails at the thought of having to play Memphis. Uh, I mean, that's that's rough, and FAU as well. But I mean, we'll just have to see how well they turn out in conference play. I mean, I don't I don't know if you want to get into predictions at all, but uh, uh we can might be we can too do early, that a little maybe. bit. We can we can predict. Let's predict Wichita State. Okay. And then, we'll, and then we'll go from there, right? Because I think this is—I think it's a good first test for UNT yeah. as well, going going up against for Wichita sure. to start conference play. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I think this is going to be a real interesting one. But if they can pull away with the win, it sets the tempo for yep. conference play, and uh, especially after Wichita State, I think those next two games at least should be beatable potentially. Yeah, I mean, you you go Wichita State. Then you go Tulane and Temple. Um, Tulane has been pretty good this season, nine and three. Temple has been seven and six. Temple should be a pretty straightforward game. Uh, Tulane might be a little interesting, but if they do beat those first three, then that would really set a tone that could kind of propel them forward. But I think it's interesting that they're going on the road to which, uh, excuse me to Wichita uh, to start conference play. I mean, Wichita State has always been a team that people are are aware of across a, a lot of athletic programs. You know, they kind of go under the radar because they don't have football anymore. But, you know, they've been a very solid baseball, softball, basketball program across a, a lot of, you know, a lot of years at this point. And yeah, still a that's powerhouse. A, that's, a rock in a, yeah. that's a rocking arena. I mean that is yeah. their their arena is rocking like it's not going to be quiet. It's going to be a great environment there, and you know it, it is like you said a huge test for for UNT to start out the the conference slate. Yeah, it's going to be a good atmosphere, and I think UNT, especially these past couple games, UT Arlington, LSU Shreveport, um, I think it's going to be a totally different environment, and we'll see if it plays a role. But that'll be really interesting to see how that how that turns out that UTA game was the second most boring game I've ever reported in my life. Just, just <laughs> saying, I mean, just being honest, I think I saw, I think I saw a picture and uh, the attendance was pretty bare. I mean, two yeah, days before I, I Christmas. did that. Yeah. Dude, I, when I was there, I was just sitting there, right. It, I mean, there was just nothing to tweet about. In like yeah, the final I, I mean, 20 minutes. What was it? Almost like a scrimmage. <laughs> I mean, at there. that point, yeah, there was practice. not there. Were, the alumni show up was pretty good. There were like five students there, maybe. Um, the maniacs went home. Yeah, the maniacs wanted to go spread some Christmas cheer and didn't show up. Uh, man, I mean, listen, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of being like, oh, this is boring because it's my job. Obviously, a lot of people have a lot more boring jobs, but man, I mean, once UNT had that game in hand, they had it in hand. It was just, yeah. I mean, they, I don't blame UTA you. I don't blame you. I mean, you're bad. being honest. You're being honest. Can't yeah. blame. You. Well, you know what, Milo? You can't blame Jason Burton for knowing the Lone Star Conference, and he has shown that knowing the Lone Star Conference 
tra uh, translates to success in the American Athletic Conference. You know, hmm. women's basketball is 11-3. and three. They started out conference play pretty tough with a 74-64 uh, loss to Charlotte after losing 71-58 to to Montana State in Bozeman on uh, December 21st. But they get back in the win column on Tuesday with a 74-63 victory over the Temple Owls in Philadelphia. Um, just a big win. For, for UNT to kind of get back in the win column, get back to, you know, after you, they had that really long win streak to just kind of get back in the win column. Remember, this is why you had this win streak. You know, it wasn't a fluke. Yeah. So, Good way to show you know, that you're not fraudulent, our, right? For sure. <laughs> for yeah. sure. And I mean, listen, it's still very early in the season. You could even write off, um, their early success is it's early in the season. It could be fluky, but the way that Burton has them playing, I am just inclined to believe that they are real. You know, I, I feel like they are a team that, that is playing at, at very least a hell of a lot better than, uh, than they were last year under Jaylee Mitchell, more connected. The chemistry's great. They're dropping shots. It, I mean, they're they're doing solid, Milo. I mean, that's all you can yeah. say about it. They're just solid players right now. Um, yeah, I think I. And that's I think I, I think I saw Zach Babb tweet um, the voice of women's basketball here at UNT. Uh, I think I saw him tweet that this team went from being three and eleven last year to eleven and three. If I saw that yep. right, I mean that's. Yeah, that's just impressive stuff. A, a, a complete turnaround, and they're already going to finish with. It's already by default they're going to have they're going to finish with a better record than last year. So uh, I, yep. I think very good stuff. Um, also, really good to see them get back in the win column as well. Good for them because, like you said, shows that they're not they weren't they weren't on a fraudulent run that they're legit. And I think you're talking about well, how long can this last? And I think it gets to a point where it starts to become real. Like, yeah. like you're no longer sitting here like, oh, well, when is this hot streak going to end? It's okay. This team is legit and can compete for a conference title. Um, not saying that they're there yet, but I'm saying at some point, if they continue to keep winning and they continue playing the way they are, at some point you will have to start to question that. Yeah, it, it, for sure. Um, and the big thing is it's UNT with under Mitchell. They strive. They, uh, they strived under, I I'm having a difficulty talking. Can you tell it's our first podcast back in a while? Um, a rusty, a little bit rusty. I'm going to knock the rust off here a little bit. Um, you know, under Mitchell, they really ran through guard play, you know, with the Quincy nobles of the world, the Bree Davises of the world under Burton. It's been the stretches, the forwards that have been getting it done. Desiree Kernal, not to mention a Lone Star Conference standout. She knows she it. Was with, uh, she knows the Lone Star Conference. Uh, she came with Jason Burton to UNT, and man, she has been stellar. Desiree Kernal is a six foot, she is two inches shorter than me, a six foot forward, and man, she has been lights out. She is. Uh, I want to say, I'll double check this. I think sixth in 
in scoring in the conference with 17.46 point or 17.25 points a game. And she also is second in rebounding with eight point averaging 8.92 a game. I mean, she's getting it done on both ends, but you just cannot forget Tamisha Lampkin, who's averaging 13.6 points a game right next to her on the other side. I mean, that's great forward play that, you know, they haven't had in, in a little bit. They they had Mallard last season that was okay. Well, they didn't have her last season. They had her previously, and she was really solid. They've had good forwards in the last previous years, and I'm sure Bab could tell you about more, but Kernal has just been stellar. I mean, just stellar, Mala. Yeah, I think it's contributions all around, right? You just listed three, four players that are – above 12 points per game. So um, contributions all around. It's something that the men's team could probably take a, uh, take a look from. They could take a hint from that. But um, yeah, just real solid performances all around. That's really what's carrying this team. Yeah. And I mean, unstoppable right now, 11 and three. If you would have told me at the beginning of the season this team would be eleven and three right now, I wouldn't have believed you just due to how bad they were last season. I mean, I don't. I yeah. Let's just call a spade a spade. They were bad. They were not good at all. Uh, Burton just turned this boat around real quick for UNT, and and that's impressive. Yeah, I mean, sometimes all you really need is a coaching change. I mean, they also yeah. just did an almost entire overhaul of their. Uh, of their offense, I think, right? I think a lot of the players that they had entered the transfer portal, they left. Um, but, you know, it starts with the coach. And, and I think getting rid of Mitchell and getting in a new coach, getting in Burton, has done wonders for women's basketball at UNT. It has. And, you know, I, it's one of those programs that certainly needed a revitalization. And, and it's looking like Burton will provide that, regardless of what the season ends up being. I mean, he's sparked some enthusiasm. For the future, regardless of how that goes, they pick it back up on January 7th against FAU back home at the pit. They are here for two straight games and a nice little homestand after a lengthy road trip. I mean, man, just looking at Bab's social media, he was in Louisiana, Montana, North Carolina, and Pennsylvania in a span of two weeks. I mean, round of applause for Zach Babb, one of the hardest working people I know. I mean, the guy's a grinder. Shout out to Bab. I know your voice is tired, man. Um, we'll get him we'll on here eventually. On podcast soon. Yeah. yeah, we'll have him soon. Uh, we're we're in talks. He's a he's a tough commodity to get a hold of, but due to him being so busy, but we will have him on here. Don't you worry. I know we talk about him a lot. We still need to get Caleb Yum on the podcast. But yeah, I mean, shout out you to know, women's basketball. They're I forcing us be... to talk about them. Yeah. Absolutely. But uh, I think it'd be a good opportunity to get Mr. Yum on the podcast to talk about, uh, you know, what we're about to talk about soon. Save it. Save it. Save it. Yeah. Save it. Save it. I don't want to talk about it, Milo, but because I care about you and because I care about this podcast, I will talk about it. And you should appreciate that I'm even giving you that. But before we talk about that, we got to go to Oklahoma. That's the trail before the Alamo Bowl. This was back in December. I haven't talked to you since last year. Uh, this was back in December <laughs> before Christmas during the Alamo Bowl. Um, Seth the trail made a little comment. He said that, man, I just have spent my uh, entire career uh, trying to get back here. 
here being Oklahoma. He was their co-offensive coordinator in the loss to Arizona. Surprise. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> as Oklahoma football ended their season in a loss to uh, Mr. Noah Faifita. He is a very solid football player. If you haven't watched his tape, go ahead and watch it. He sauced on the Sooners to beat them 38-24. That was a final on December 28th. Both teams finished 10-3 and on the season. But Milo, Seth the Trail made that comment, right? And yeah. imagine my shock when I go down to the comments and see UNT fans complaining. Going, They're everywhere. Oh, oh, we were just a stop for him, huh? They're hurt. Get him some Kleenex. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you were just a stop for him. No, yeah, I know. Yeah. I mean, no shit you were a stop for him. What the hell are you talking about? If you went to a school and you played football at a school, why in the hell would you not want to go back and coach there? That's like every football player's dream, I imagine. Yeah, I mean, it's always a dream to go back to your alma mater where you played and, you know, help them, you know, lead the way. I think, look, UNT is a stepping stone regardless. Regard, I mean, we've said it for athletes. We've said it for coaches. We've said it for even upper management. You look at athletic directors, Ren Baker. UNT is a stepping stone for everybody because that's just where it is. Look in the mirror and be honest with yourself. It's a stepping stone. And nobody's going to go, nobody, nobody's, let's just be real here and, and, and call it as it is. No athlete sits there and says, UNT is my dream school. I want to lead UNT to a national championship. Okay, may, maybe I'm being a little bit too hard. Maybe it is for maybe one or two players. Maybe, maybe uh, I don't know. A UNT legend, let's say Mason Fine has a kid. I know we keep going to Mason Fine, but <laughs> let's say Mason Fine, or let's say, okay, let, no, let me not use Mason Fine. Jalen Darden. Let's say Darden has a kid, and his kid says, man, my dad was a UNT legend. I want to go play for UNT. That could be a, a good example. But for the most part, UNT is quite literally a stepping stone for everybody else. But I think on top of that, I'm going to let you speak in a minute, but one more thing, UNT and the rest of schools can be seen as a stepping stone as well if you are progressing up and moving up somewhere else in your career. I mean, Seth Luttrell, he could have been a head coach at a P5 school and then transfers to an even bigger P5 school, and he's still classified. It's still classified as a stepping stone. So yeah. I, am I am I wrong to think that? I mean... I just... No, I completely agree with you. And, you know, I, I have a couple of, of examples to show you even more to accentuate this fact. Think about Cincinnati, uh, former head coach uh, Luke Fickle. He brought that team to the college football playoff after winning the American Athletic Conference. And as soon as he got that call from Wisconsin, he flew his ass up to Wisconsin and got the hell out of Cincinnati. Yeah, when he so Cincinnati was playoff, a stepping stone for them. Yeah. Frost. Look at Scott Frost. He went 14-0, and won the Peach Bowl. And then went straight to Nebraska, you know? Yeah. So it's, it doesn't matter. I guess it doesn't really matter the state of your program, but it's just the career trajectory, if that makes sense. I mean, you know, it's yeah. stepping stone, right? I mean, hell, you could even have A&M serve as a stepping stone if you make the jump to Alabama after A&M, right? I mean, 
I don't know. It's, it's That's just, a bold claim. It's a bold claim, but it's the truth. All Alabama right, all football right. second, is above a and I need to I need to protect us real quick, Milo. All right, uh, bloggers from texags.com. If you are listening right. to this podcast, we didn't mean it. Please don't flood our mentions and don't be to us. All right. Um... <laughs> <laughs> There's a little disclaimer. There you go. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. anything can be classified as a stepping stone for the most part, unless you're playing for or coaching at, I don't know, the best program in the world, right? Which is somewhat subjective. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, my thing. Most of this is uh, the a frequenter of my comment section. Uh, I believe his name is Ryan. I'm not going to say his full name in case he doesn't want it out there. But first name's Ryan. Um. He, he quote tweeted my tweet and made a good point. He said, I have bad news for all UNT fans. I guarantee you Eric Morris would take the job at Texas Tech if it got offered. Oh, I well, no sh- <laughs> oh, Yeah, for sure. <laughs> no sh- I, 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 yeah, I, his point is that any coach who is coaching at somewhere that is not his alma mater or alma mater, alma mater, <laughs> mater. wants <laughs> not his tomater, not his alma mater, would want to get back to his alma mater here here's a one that you you wouldn't expect do you really think if scott drew retired tomorrow do you really think grant mccaslin would stay at texas tech and not consider going to baylor um yeah i mean well yeah i mean it's also a lateral move too i mean you're going from tech to baylor i mean it's kind of a lateral well i mean they're both really freaking good both have yeah. a final championship appearance in the last five years. But, There's that, but um, yeah. But you'd rather be your alma mater. I, I, right, I guarantee absolutely. you. I, I yeah. Obviously, he wouldn't say this now. He'd be, oh, man, I'm 100% committed to Texas Tech. But if you asked him in personal in his personal life, I guarantee you he'd say he'd want to be at, at Baylor eventually. Of course. Yeah, of it course. It comes from the Drew coaching tree. So there is that, that, you know going back to your alma mater is, is a it's a big pull it's a big factor i mean there's it, the the list is endless of coaches that have gone coaches or players that have gone back to their alma mater so yeah um yeah yeah i mean that's all we have to say about it so uh just to end this little segment off if you are a unt fan who is mad at seth Latrell for saying that take a deep look in the mirror and say what the hell are you talking about? Take off Get the it green together. colored glasses. Take off. You, you the took an extra dose glasses. of green pills. Exactly. He they open yeah. their little pill boxes and they pull out the little Kelly green pill and they say, mm, "What a good day!" And <laughs> swallow. Be a mean it. green pill. <laughs> listen, you can be. I can't tell people how to be a fan, but you can be a fan without being a complete. How do I say this? Without being completely jaded, yeah, that's a good way to put deceived. it. Deceived, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know the right word. You guys know what I mean. Um, obviously, if you are a Mean Green fan, continue listening to this podcast. But if you are a Mean Green fan that thinks the Seth Latrell comment was a stupid comment, then please uh, take it from us. You look pretty stupid on the timeline. Sometimes the best thing you can do is sit back and listen to another Mean Green Podcast.
Milo, this is my least favorite part of the show uh, for reasons that the viewers or the listeners may never know. But let's talk about the college football playoff. Um, it has been set. The title has been set. It and is who are those two now. teams, Reed Smith? All right. Well, who are they? I'm gonna have you say it. Oh, I I forgot. I just yeah I you know I hit my head earlier. I, I just forgot. You know, um, Reed Smith was dropped okay. on his head as a baby, and that's right. why he cannot yeah, name exactly. the two teams. And now, yeah. yeah, Michigan beat Alabama 27-20, and we're gonna break these games down in in two sections because I just want to talk about Alabama Michigan real quick. What in the hell was that play call? <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> that, that was ridiculous, dude. I mean, the guy ran head first into I mean, it's just uh, last I, play I of the game, your season on the line, and you do that, and you do a QB I mean, draw, like a QB power up the middle. I'm uh, yeah. and the worst snap I've ever seen in my life, yeah. That that snapper go bro, go figure, but admit. but go figure that the final snap of the game was a low one. Sucked. Go figure that summed up game. the entire night. Yeah, dude, he's either going to be like the best center in the league next season, or going to be playing for WKU on Tuesday night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the first thing you said was, "I hope that center enjoys the transfer portal." And uh, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. I don't know if Saban lets him back on the team next year. That's uh, that's gonna be a shocker. Because I mean, I feel was, bad for rough. the kid, but I mean, that was a shocker. Look, I, I mean, it's not entirely his fault, but uh, you know, largely, largely his fault. Okay, let's be honest with ourselves, Milo. If if Milrow receives a perfect snap, does he have a chance on that play at all? I don't think so. Yeah, that's why I'm saying it wasn't entirely his fault because, you know, I feel help. like even if Milrow gets a perfect snap there, he still does some dumb shit. And either that, okay, either I'll just be funny here, but all jokes aside, that uh, Michigan defense, I mean, comes up huge. They're going to, I feel like, regardless of what team, I feel like just, the the way that Michigan played all game long, um, especially in that that second half, um, I think they were bound to get that big stop at the very end. I felt like they couldn't yeah. go out sad like that. They couldn't. Yeah, they couldn't go out sad. Ah, okay, we're done talking about the Rose Bowl. Let's move on to yeah, you. Sure, you sure you don't want to draw it out a little more? We can we can keep talking about the Rose Bowl if you like. Oh yeah, you know I. Do you see the B two bomber flyover? We were talking about uh, uh yeah today I think earlier today how how sick that plane is. I mean just oh, an absolutely. Awesome. If you if you are a grown man and you see that plane flying by and you don't look at it and say God that's amazing. That is America right there. That is, I mean, that is something. Yeah, Northrop Grumman was uh, in their bag when they made that. So, all right. Um, do you want a little bit of trivia? Yeah, hit me. What is the other vehicle that Northrop Grumman Grumman makes? Oh, um, is it a helicopter? No. Yeah, I I don't know. It is the United States Postal Service. <laughs> delivery. Truck. 
<laughs> okay, I never. Sick? I actually never would have guessed that. I never yep. would have guessed that. So I'm glad they make I, one of the yeah. coolest things on the planet, and also the thing that delivers your mail. I mean, one of the most essential company things. equity. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, shout out to the mail lady that that lives in or that delivered my mail my whole life in Keller. Uh, I bet she's a big Northrop Grumman fan. I'm sure she she could drive the USPS little delivery van and also uh, fly a stealth bomber. I'm sure she could do it. Uh, yeah, I never know her name, but you know. I'm sure she's taught that as a male person. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. The sugar bowl. Well, 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 well. Uh, Washington beat Texas 37 to 31. Texas had the ball within the 15 at the very end of the game on like what would have been a miracle for the Longhorns. A um, couple of ill-advised plays uh, on first and second down. Third down was just overthrown by Quinn. And fourth down was, or pardon me, I'll, I'll be professional, Quinn Ewers. Um, fourth down was just not the right pass. You, you got to bullet it in for Mitchell right there, not float it in. Quinn doesn't really understand bullying, bulleting it in, so uh, he, he airs it out to Mitchell. Great yeah, play by the defensive back. I think a lot of people are are under they're getting pissed at Quinn Ewers, but not acknowledging that that was a fantastic play by the defensive back. I don't think Ewers knew how to uh, throw the ball at all the entire night. I don't personally. think Ewers knew where he was in the fourth quarter. I'm not going to lie, man. He took that big hit in the head in the third quarter, uh, missed a play, and then check that CTE. Well, did you see that video of him after the game? He was like looking around, like. Like, wait, yeah, wait, what, what's going on, guys? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's not even like an experience thing, is it? I mean, he just, I he he did not look good the whole night. I think you and I can both be he honest. Had a, like, he had an, yeah. I mean, he had a numbers wise, he ended up having a pretty solid night, but not as I good just, as where he should have been for the college football semifinal. Well, it's also really hard to say that Michael or that uh, Quinn Ewers had a good game after Michael Penix Jr. Threw, had the game that he had. I I am a known I known Michael Penix unbeliever. I don't believe in Michael Penix Jr. I do not believe he's going to win the national title, and I do not believe that that he's going to be a threat at the next level. But you got to give credit where credit's due. Uh, the guy completed 76% of his passes, 430 yards on the night, two touchdowns. You can't argue with that. I mean, he there's, was phenomenal. there's nothing you can say other than good job, young man. I mean. <laughs> he was phenomenal. I mean, I was seeing some people say that that up. was, yeah. I was seeing some people on Twitter saying that that's probably one of the best quarterback performances we've seen in the college football playoff in a while. Yeah. So that I was, mean, I mean, he he stood on business, dude. That was he, he did a he did stand yeah. on business. He did, and you you want to? Uh, I, I want to bring up something that Robert Griffin III said on, on his podcast RG three and the ones. Um, he he's been talking about quarterbacks a lot lately, and he said that there's game managers and there's game changers. He says you don't oh, yeah. always have to be a game changer. You sometimes just have to be a game manager. 
and Michael Penix was a game manager. He did not do anything that he that was not like he did like he did he didn't have Caleb Williams syndrome where he like runs out of the pocket and launches it 80 yards when he had the check down. He just you took know? care of business, dude. You know? He he did he, did. he, he executed did. everything perfectly, honestly. I mean the deep I mean, ball that was was phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. That was the perfect example of take what the defense gives you. And, you know, he even shocked Texas a few times on his legs, which was pretty shocking. Uh, Texas' defense, I mean, the secondary looked bad. That's really yeah. all you can say. I mean, but there's not much you can do against that receiving core, especially when Penix is dotting him up. Um, yeah, I, some of those throws were insane. Like, I, I mean, Absurd. Yeah. Yeah, because he was putting them in a perfect position to all the the deep deep throws were really good stuff. There was that one play in this, I want to say second quarter where he where uh, Quitkowski, uh, the Texas defensive coordinator, he sends Jalen Ford on a blitz. Ford is there. Pennix just sideswipes him and throws a dart up the middle. Yeah, yeah, I remember um, watching that. I was like, no I mean, way, was this guy impressive. is real. Yeah. I don't think his mechanics are going to work at the next level. I just don't. I think it's too slow. I don't think that he reads defenses particularly well. I think that he executes well, but he does not make that first read quick enough for an NFL defense. But I will say that he did have a great performance against Texas, and he has had a stellar year regardless of his mechanics and regardless of you know whether he is good enough at reading defenses or not. You can't take away this season from him for sure. And hopefully he got a lot of NIL money, you know? <laughs> so oh, if yeah. he doesn't work I mean, out at Washington, the NFL yeah. level, he's, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, if he doesn't work out at the NFL level, he'll be aight. Um, shout out to Penix, I guess. Uh, you know, look, I, I – uh, yeah. Yeah. Not much look, to say. You talk, I, you I will talk wonder about how his... he fares against Washington or Michigan. Yeah. So you talk about his mechanics, and I saw a video on Twitter earlier this weekend put it in our group chat um it really changed my look on it they just flip flip the video of him you know he's a lefty and they flipped it so it he was a righty and he was throwing the ball and his throwing mechanics there looked pretty good as a righty but uh, i saw a lot of people in the comment section saying well lefties always look kind of weird um so i i I mean i'm Sorry, I, I'm just not too sure. I'm I'm not too sure if I agree with your take, and I I think he could probably pan out pretty well. Um, I, I think he deserved the Heisman too for his for his year. Personally, I know we spoke about it. Did we speak about it on the podcast? I don't know. If we, we did. did. We, we argued we did. about it on the podcast. We argued about it, and Michael Penix gave a Heisman worthy performance. So that is all I'm going to say about him because I am borderline glazing now. So there you go. <laughs> well, Penix, a lot of people, I tip my cap. Yeah. I, you know what? For reasons that the podcast will never know, but definitely everyone on Twitter has figured out. It's hard for me to tip my cap to Michael Penix, but I will tip my cap to Michael Penix. Good job. Fantastic night. I mean, I'd rather see him win it than McCarthy. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, I will be interested to see how he handles the Michigan blitz. Texas is not a good blitzing team. They they haven't been all season. I will be interested to see how he can handle the Michigan blitz, which will 
definitely forced them out of the pocket a lot more. I mean, Milrow was w- running for his damn life at yeah. some point. Uh, but it, it should be noted that Washington has one of the better offensive lines in the country. Yeah, I think it's going to be a good test, good final test for Washington, right? I mean, it's really the true challenge. I mean, you took on all these other programs, all these, all these other teams. Um, Texas was probably one of the best teams that they've played all year. I mean, I say that they're really yeah, deep sure. because I, I also vouched for uh, Oregon this year. Uh, but now is they're taking on the number one team in the country, just took down Alabama. Um, we'll see. We'll see, right? I don't know. I I've mean, been high on Michigan all year as well. I've been high on Michigan. Yeah, you year. have. Yeah. You have. So, yeah. All right, Milo. I'm done talking about that game forever. All right. I gave I'll let you, it rest. I gave <laughs> I let I let you be you, we had a cordial conversation about it, which I I never thought we would do. I decided to play uh, fair. I was nice. I don't want to thanks. tear you apart Thank at you. all. So we'll yeah. Thank you. I know you're you're yeah, you're going a through nice... a, a very difficult period of trauma. So I understand. I will be nice. Yeah, we, we it's been an interesting week for me indeed. Um Mamilo, it's time. Oh, man, it's been a while since I've gotten to say this, but the CFP final, baby. Vegas, baby. Vegas. Let's go. Let's go. They're setting the line at Michigan by four and a half. The over-under is 55 and a half. I will lead us off. I'm going to go Washington wins an absolute 28 to 24. No way. 28 24 the, Washington. Taking the under. I'm going to go 31 27 Michigan. Oh. So Michigan just barely edges Washington. <laughs> hey, but, hey, yeah. hey, 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 hey. Hey, I'm getting a little <laughs> closer. There. But yeah, I think hey, I've been hey, on hey, Michigan hey. all year. I've also. <laughs> Back to back, yeah. I've been I've been high on Michigan all year, but I've also been high on Michael Penix. I've been a big Penix advocate this year. I love that big Penix energy, but (laughs) unfortunately, this is the one time that I'm going to go against the grain, and I'm going to stick with the Wolverines. I've been a big advocate for Big Blue all this year, and taking down Alabama, no easy feat despite them being ranked number eight, and they probably shouldn't have been in college football playoff to begin with, they put up a valid fight, and Michigan was able to withstand that. So um, I think Michigan goes all the way now with that momentum that they got from beating Alabama just barely in on the final second of the game. I just feel like Washington and Texas were the better teams in the playoff. I think they were the most complete teams in the playoff, and they certainly played a game that made them look like the most complete teams in the playoff. Um, they ha- they both had big defensive moments. They both have big, obviously, they had huge offensive moments as well. Um, and I just thought that the winner of that game would go on to win the national title, and Washington won that game. So I just feel like they're going to win the title. That's valid. That's valid. But yeah. I, I just I feel like it's Michigan's year, dude. I mean, they've been snubbed several years. Um, several years now, they've they've choked out. They've missed out. I mean, this this is their first national title appearance since um since when i mean i don't know it's been been a while if they've if it's they've been made it right? yeah so the dogs. they're very excited they're wolverines fans. yeah 
they're big they're, Michigan they're fans. excited my, for that take yeah my family's dogs yeah so um yeah i mean we'll 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 see what happens with with uh, this game i think it's going to be a very interesting college football championship because um i think these are the two teams that i wanted to see and it's the two teams yeah. that i predicted to see and it's gonna yeah. happen so very good you know it there's something about an sec team s i cannot say that without lisping an s E C team. There's there's something about one not being in the championship that is kind of like welcome to the new era, man. Like, yeah, yeah, that's know? exactly why I don't want Alabama to win. I mean, it's just you know, for the first time in a long time, we're seeing a Natty without Georgia and Alabama in it. I mean, it's been a long time. So, yeah, it, it really yeah. has been, and uh, I mean, you can't. You can't um, discount what those programs have have been. Uh, oh, I mean, yeah. they've been stellar, and they're not done yet. I expect them to be back next year. Um, but that's the playoff talk. We got through it. I got through it. Um, tough, tough day, but it is what it is. At the end of the day, it's going to be a good game, regardless. Um, I think that's. That's something we both know for sure that it will be very entertaining to watch for sure. Uh, Pardon me. It's been a long week. Um, This show will stay on the process on the uh, topic of uh, college football from what I understand uh, for, for a little bit here, because I'm just looking around here, Milo. I, I don't have a clock in my childhood bedroom. I never did. I could never check the time. That's why I have you. It's time. You're not a clock watcher, huh? I am not a clock watcher. I, I've i never been interested in clocks. Well, you need to check that timing because it's uh, time for my good old-fashioned take. Better check that timing. It's time for Milo's take. And right. this week, the return of Milo's take. I'm, uh, I'm going to do a college football bowl take. So we will indeed take hey. college football. And this is a really safe one. It's an obvious one. But Liberty getting the snot beaten out of them by Oregon is a prime example as to why the bowl committee or whoever selects the the bowl matchups got it wrong. I mean, we said it immediately on our podcast when, when the matchup was announced that SMU was robbed from it. They decided to go with Liberty, who was, I believe, the highest-ranked G5 program. Um, and Liberty just got destroyed by Oregon. First of all, I think yeah. Oregon, Oregon, unfortunately, they were in a situation where, look, you're not going to beat Washington, and you're not going to make the college football playoff, but we'll throw you in one of the best bowl games that we can possibly put you in. And it's almost unfair to Oregon to give them this game because they came into it knowing that they were going to destroy Liberty. Yeah. They were going to tear them apart. Yeah, and they did, and they did. So absolutely everybody, I mean, not everybody, but you and I predicted it. We said that this game is going to be a blowout, and it was. So for the committee, whoever chooses the bowl games again, um, whoever decided to put Liberty in the Fiesta Bowl, I mean, I understand what you're doing. You're trying to make it a charity game. You're trying to be like, well, Liberty, you did good this year, so we're going to reward you by 
like going up against Oregon on the big stage. It's unfair. Oregon yeah. fans are probably bored out of their mind the whole game. So probably. Yeah. I mean, I mean that's OG all I got for my take this week. Hell of a game. Yeah. Bo Nix just again, another game for him to just, you know, stretch the arm, just throw some deep bombs and I take advantage of a uh, Liberty team that never really stood a chance. Of a high school so, defense. Yeah, of a high school <laughs> defense. That's one way to put it. So All right, Milo. Um, I'm gonna be yeah. a lot harsher than you, which is uh, actually pretty funny because usually you're the harsher one. Yeah. Never put a CUSA team in a PNY6 again until they can prove they can be in one. Until That's fair. CUSA starts beating Power 5 opponents in the regular season, keep them out of P5 Bowls. Yeah. Yeah, Thank absolutely. You. Yeah. CUSA yeah, because sucks. Yeah, Conference it USA, it's a little bit different. Like, we could say, oh, keep all G5 schools out of these bowls, but no. No, because there are some G5 programs that can do some damage, right? You look at Cincinnati a few years ago, Appy State as well. Um, so there are G5, legitimate G5 schools that can do some damage to these P5 programs. Liberty and every other Conference USA school is not one of them. I'm sorry, what but has I, I agree USA with that. showed anyone ever, really? I mean, I mean never. It's been a shit conference. It drags down universities and, and programs. It is a hindering conference. It hinders programs from un, from unlocking, untapping their true potentials. So, yeah, again, and... to go back to UNT, I think it's a real good thing that UNT was able to skedaddle out of that conference because it's just not a good conference. I'm sorry. It's boring, it's dull, and the commissioner has no clue what she's doing. So, Yeah, yeah. and it's telling that UNT got the hell out of there as soon as they could. Um they 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 got the they got the hell out of there man yeah. i mean yeah <laughs> you know it's, it's, a lot of teams did and it, it's telling that they did that that they looked at their impending future and doom and said holy moly we don't want to be stuck in this joint and they got the hell out of there that is that not telling to people is that yeah. Yeah. not indicative of what this this conference is i do not care if new mexico state goes 10 and 2. I do not care if Liberty with the 133rd ranked <laughs> schedule in the country, which is last, goes 13 and 0. You could probably run out South Lake Carroll and they'd go 13 and 0 against that schedule. It's it's not a good schedule. Any team that that is semi-competent could have gone 13 and 0 in that schedule, but they made a huge freaking deal about Liberty going 13 and 0. Well, they were the undefeated uh Power 5 team. Who the hell did they play? It doesn't matter. They, they had a, they had a cupcake schedule, fraudulent, dude. Exactly. And listen, listen, I know SMU did not win the Fenway Bowl. Whatever. That's fine. I don't think they wanted to be there. One, and two, they they did have a few opt-outs. Um, well, they would have scored more than six points against Oregon. Against Oregon, they would have made it a little more interesting. There would have been even a if little it's forty-five twenty. It's still a more interesting game than forty-five six. What the hell? They couldn't even and get let, a field and goal. Let me say this. Let me say this. Everybody hates Liberty. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody hates them. Yeah. There is not one person, that, unless you meet somebody who went to Liberty University, you will. Ne I've never heard anyone go, wow, I really like Liberty. Because there's yeah. no one. There's no one who says that. 
All right. Very disappointing stuff. Off my but, soapbox. Yeah. So that is no, my I, take I and I guess take. our take this week, but um, a safe one, needless to say. Yeah, for sure a safe one. Um, we both agree on that. And we both agree that CUSA should be kept out of anything related to football, which is for teams that are winners. Because if you play in CUSA, you're not a winner unless you proved it in the regular season. If Liberty wanted to schedule a non-con versus like Missouri or like Tech or something like that, and they win, then you go, oh, oh maybe yeah. they are pretty good. But when you're spending your Tuesday nights at the Sun Bowl against the <laughs> UTEP, in front of ten, people. are you kidding me? Oh. You're <laughs> you're telling me that <laughs> you're telling me a team that plays Middle Tennessee on Thursdays deserves to be in the Fiesta Bowl? Hell no. So here's here's what they should do. One more. There's a little food for thought for you. How about we call something the Charity Bowl? Where they go, where they go up against a high school team, the best high school team in their region. So I think I think Liberty is is where in in Florida or wherever Liberty Lynchburg, is, Virginia, Virginia. Wow, I was wrong. <laughs> but the Liberty in the DC area. Yeah, yeah, the best the best high school football team in the DC area gets to come and play Liberty at the Liberty Flames football stadium. I know that's nothing to that's nothing jaw dropping. Of course, it's not. It's not like Brian Denny Stadium or something, but uh, you know, it's still you know a little little challenge for the high school team, and and maybe Liberty can actually you know have a decent game uh, going up against a high school program. But you know, the Charity Bowl get these young young aspiring collegiate athletes up against some college quote unquote college competition. I think that's the only bowl game that CUSA schools should be a part of. Yeah, I, I am inclined to agree with you, Milo. Um, maybe not a high school. <laughs> of, course, of, course of course, we're being satirical. Any FBS yeah, team yeah. would be a high school, but... but I mean, I maybe mean, an FCS we, school. I don't know. I mean, uh, I, don't know. I, mean I think Liberty versus North Dakota State would be an okay game. I think North Dakota State would win, but yeah, we'll, we'll leave it. We'll leave it at that. Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. I'll lead us off on cornball of the week. All right. Yeah. <laughs> JJ McCarthy, your cornball. Uh, we're just gonna jump right into it. Um, I am not a big fan of JJ McCarthy. Uh, I'm not a. I think a lot of the things Michigan does is pretty corny, uh, but JJ McCarthy is the leader of the cornball patrol. Um, I think back to this season where he's like, what really got me is after the Rose Bowl, he's like, and all the adversity we faced and everything we faced this season, we had to get through it because we had all this adversity. And then you he see put him the, with Rose the Stanley in Cup reference too. He yes. re- 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 referenced the greatest trophy in all sports. Yeah, bro. A Stanley Cup is what 18 year old girls got for Christmas and are going <laughs> to bring right. to school and drink coffee out of. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, um, yeah, he, he's my cornball of the week because what adversity did you face? Your your team got accused of cheating, and yeah. that's that's not adversity. That's tough shit, man. I mean, Connor Stallions and not that whole deal. That was a sideshow, and then Harbaugh getting suspended for it. 
they acted like Harbaugh died when he got oh, suspended. Yeah. Remember, remember the offensive coordinator crying? Oh, uh, man. When, after the, their first game without Harbaugh, it's like, we did this for Jim. We did this for <laughs> Coach Harbaugh. It's like, dude, he's watching this on his living room eating some chocolate and some popcorn, dude. You can call him after the game. You know? Yeah. I don't know. Yep. That's all I really have to say. It's a brief cornball of the week because I just think J.J. McCarthy is a cornball. That's valid. That's fair. He's a little little goofy, a little silly cornball there. (laughs) All right. Um, My cornball is a little bit more humorous. Reese Davis on the college game day broadcast before the Michigan versus Alabama game. I'm going to try and get through this without laughing. But um, so they're talking about Jalen Milrow. And how he wears his own branded apparel, his own branded, uh, you know, equipment, essentially. And the branded apparel, the apparel is branded with the acronym L-A-N-K. And everybody on, on, on the panel, College Game Day, they're like, well, what does this mean exactly? Reese Davis clarifies it means let a naysayer know that's right everybody the n in blank stands for naysayer and <laughs> pat mcafee is also on on the panel immediately he's like that is not what i expected that to stand for that is not let a naysayer know so as we all might assume that that n could stand for Another word, and a word that we are not going to say on this podcast, of course. Uh, or ever in our life. Or ever in our life. Uh, but anyways, it has led to a lot of funny content on Twitter. People are um, replacing uh, phrases that would use that actual N-word with naysayer. So I think that that's pretty funny, but uh, I don't know. Reese Davis gets a cornball for for calling it naysayer because I feel like it doesn't exactly stand for naysayer. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure it means that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I just really wonder if, like, the ESPN executives and producers who did not know that that's what the reads said, as soon as he was like, I had an acronym that says LANK. Which means, I bet after he said which means, everybody <laughs> in that room was like, no! <laughs> yeah, he starts saying, and, let a, and then, yeah, everybody just loses. They're about to roll to commercial after that. I think Joey Galloway was talking about, on the panel, he was cracking up afterward. He was talking about how slow Reese Davis said it, and that's what I was thinking, too. He was like, let a naysayer know. It's like, <laughs> He drew out that wow. N a little bit longer. Speed, yeah. up, speed up that N. Speed up that N, Reese. Yeah. <laughs> and you know Reese oh Davis didn't write that. Yeah, the no. The producer wrote that. Yeah, the producer who wrote that, maybe he should be the cornball. because. Uh, yeah, wow. the producer yeah. who wrote that, you don't have to say, and it means. I think everyone can figure out what Lank means. Yeah, but here's another thing that I noticed that I saw people talking about. Imagine if they let the fans in a live audience to see that episode of College Game Day. That and be there for that moment. That would have been hilarious. That would have made for even better content, honestly. That would have been golden. I mean, that probably would have been 
top five moment in college game day history. But I don't know why they don't they don't let fans in for I mean, national championship. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, they were in the venue for it, so maybe that has something to do with it. Yeah, yeah. That that was <sighs> I saw that, but you never know. I don't know. I I just think naysayer is such a funny. Yeah. Replacement, I mean, that's, that's I pretty cornbally. Yep. There you go. It's pretty cornbally, but yeah, I I completely agree with you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think I think the funniest thing about that is like there's been so many game day moments. That like from the classic one. Do you like? Do you remember when Lee Corso like threw the SMU head and said "f it"? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was golden. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Game he day. It, he's it like, "Give like me it's... that head." <laughs> <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey, that's Get strike that three head. on the podcast. <laughs> that's strike three. That's... <laughs> Uh, that might be a You're sign that we need here. to. That might be a sign that we need to wrap yeah. it up. Yeah, you are ejected. <laughs> I mean, I feel bad even asking you what you're doing this weekend. Oh man, yeah. Um, this weekend, I am going to refrain from making any more innuendos. Going to refrain from making any more jokes, <laughs> and um, I don't know yet. I think we'll be um, we'll be keeping it pretty chill. Um, because you know we had New Year's and that was fun. I don't know yet. True. To be decided. All right. Yeah, uh, I'm enjoying my final weekend before I go back to school. Or what yeah. will either be my ultimate or penultimate uh, semester. <laughs> um, I mean, man, not really. You're almost anything. there. I'm flying to Boston. Yeah, um, I am. I fly to Boston next Thursday. Um, then that's that's about it. So if our, if the next week's episode goes out a little later, y'all know why. I'm I'm in Boston, Mr. Bean Towns, I'm, couching a plane. I'm flying to Co- I'm flying to Cohog to see Peter Griffin. There you go. Hi, <laughs> Reed. Holy How's it going? Crap. <laughs> Holy crap, Reed Smith. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Get a, get well, a little quagmire in there too. All, all right, one more quag. We'll get a quagmire. Hey, Reed. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right, all right. When the quagmire impressions start, that that means it's time to wrap an episode. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> all right. I haven't done this outro in a little bit, so this will be a little rough. Prepare yourself. Off the dome. All right. Off the Doug Demodome. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, you can find it on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We are looking to get on Google, but Google takes forever to accept podcasts. So look for it there. I doubt any of you listen to it on Google Podcasts. It's kind of like when people ask people, like, hey, do you use Google Shopping? It's like, no, Amazon exists. You know, never heard of it. Um, exactly. That is precisely my point. Um, this is a podcast for Mean Green 24-7. I feel like because we don't have it in our name, it, some people forget that this podcast is a Mean Green 24-7 podcast. Um, mean Green 24-7 is a 24-7 sports affiliate of New University of North Texas. It has one writer and producer of content, and that is me officially, and Milo is the other, uh, for our podcast. Um, other than that, it is all me. And it was just recruiting season. I got out a lot of VIP stories for y'all. I wrote that 
uh, word story. It's content you will not want to miss, and I would be remiss if I did not tell you to not miss that content and to not miss that content, especially with basketball going to the American Athletic Conference schedule for the first time. You'll want to be a VIP to get all of the latest news. I see our subscribers going up, man. Warms my heart considerably, but I want to see more because I work really hard. We, me and Milo work really hard on this podcast, but that's why you can support us as being a Mean Green 247 VIP. So make sure to subscribe to that if you feel so inclined to. And if you listen to all the way through to this podcast, I guarantee you, you felt inclined to. So go ahead and seal the deal. Give yourself a pat on the back after you subscribe for a VIP subscription. But that'll be it for myself and Milo. Thank you all for listening. We'll have national championship talk next time you see us and some UNT men's basketball. A lot to talk about going forward. Spring has begun. Happy New Year. Hope you all had a happy holidays. We will see you later.